Hello, I'm Dr. Buck. You have to be proactive. Nobody is going to knock on your door and say, hey, I have this role for you. One of the rules of acting is don't be a dick. Know your lines, know your mark, and don't be a dick. Well, I'm a real person. Can you cast me? The objective is to be able to act, make a living from it, and just do that forever. It's really cheesy, isn't it? To be like, yeah. I'd love to be able to portray. I wasn't a strong enough person to make my own decision, if that makes sense. You do always know who a musical theatre person is. <laughs> It's very obvious. <laughs> You're banned from the West End now. <laughs> My dancing career would be over already. I'd be too old. That's the girl. That's who I need. Hi, folks. And on today's podcast, I'm joined by Lauren Buck. Lauren is an actor, a voiceover artist, and generally a good all-round person, which were her words when I asked for what she wanted in her introduction. Uh, Lauren, you're, you're an actor and a voiceover artist. Um, tell me about what you're doing currently. Hi. Um, yes. So I have just finished a play uh, in a fringe theatre in London called Dennis of Penge. Um, and we performed that at the Bridge House Theatre in Penge. So it was the first time that we've ever, that play has been performed in Penge, even though it's set there. Mm. Um, it was really lovely to be on stage again and work with an incredible cast and an incredible director. Um, the writer of the play, Annie Siddons, came down as well, which was lovely. And she got to see it. And it just felt like... I don't know. Every time I do a bit of acting and as a jobbing actor, that's not always all the time. Um, it just cements in my head and my body like this is definitely what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. um, there are any actor or any creative will know that, that it's just it is a career of doubting yourself a lot. Um, so to have the like the chance to be on stage or to be filmed or whatever your medium is like to actually be doing it is just lovely and it makes me feel really <laughs> I'm always like you're like this is where I belong um it's a really cheesy thing but whenever I walk on a stage I'm just like oh it feels like home um I just would like to do a little bit more of it <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah it's a very strange feeling I, I think it's uh I think it's something that a lot of people probably share uh, particularly if they do anything creative or they've got their own business. Uh, there's that moment where people think to themselves, hang on, what, what's going on here? People are actually trusting me. Just because I said I'm an actor or just because I said I'm a podcaster or just because I said I've got a, a business that makes widgets, um, suddenly people are turning around and actually taking an interest and in either buying my widgets or listening to my stuff or whatever it may be. And you think, oh, hang on. Actually, I, I'm I'm just some I'm just some idiot who's decided he wants to do this thing, uh, and and now I'm being taken seriously. That's that's crazy. I I mean I certainly had that with businesses in the past, um, where I've said, look, hey, this is what we do, and this is how we do it, and somebody said, yes, I'll have some of that. And you think, hey, sure, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I've only been doing this five minutes, you know, um, but uh, no, it's great that you you are. Uh, treading the boards as they say is that what they say i'm sure that's what they it say is. it is it what is. they say 
Um, so what was what was it called? Dennis of Penge. Dennis of Penge. Um, and what's, based that, on, what's that about? It was based on... Oh, you're going to ask me now. I'm not going to be able to reply. <laughs> I know, I'm terrible. Um, it was based on a Greek tragedy oh, um, right. and like mythology, um, which was funny because when... I always remember at, in GCSE... Was it GCSE or A-level drama? We did Oedipus and um, I played like the little old blind man, which was really funny because it's just not my casting, but <laughs> also obviously like at like 17 years old. Yeah. Um, but it was fun because I got to fight Oedipus uh, mm. with my stick. It was like kind of like a Yoda vibe going on. But um, yeah, it was really funny. And like um, it was a really lovely play because it was, it was about like, you know, people that are on benefits and the population that is just kind of forgotten about and how, you know, they're screwed over by the system. And one of the characters I played was a, a lady called Alison. And she is, <laughs> she was described as the poshest woman in AA. Um, and then, um, which made me laugh. And then it was like, poshest woman in AA with high anxiety. And I said to the director, oh, and she typecast me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was quite fun to play because she was kind of like an completely oblivious to the struggles and woes that these people were going through, but then has solidar solidarity for them. I can't say that word. Mm. Um, uh, for them and kind of jo joins the cause. And it was nice, nice character to play because she was a little bit like yummy mummy kind of yogi kind of person which isn't really me but it was fun to kind of take that like characterization with and do that mm. and um the other role I played was like part of a narrator so um the the play is narrated um and what we did was we split it up so there was multiple voices um and there was a lot of diversity in the cast which was beautiful um we all got a chance to do some narration. So um, some of this narration I did was really quite um, hard hitting mm -hmm. and it was really poignant and beautifully written. It was like a mixture of narration and poetry, which was really lovely. Um, yeah, it was just a really nice play to be involved with. And we basically did it on Zoom. Like we we rehearsed on Zoom for like a year oh, right. um and we only met in person a week before we put the play on mm -hmm. um and it was amazing because i've known these people because i went to identity school of acting um i've known these people for years like one of the guys that um was who played dennis was like my on-screen husband in most scenes that we always got paired up together and uh, We'd like done all these lovely, like really intimate scenes together on Zoom, which is a strange thing to do, but never ever met in person. So it was so nice to just be like, hi, you're actually a real person. You're not in this little frame here. Um, and with everybody, we had people from France, from Norway, from Newcastle, like um, all meeting up in South London, which was just lovely. And just, it was just, I like, it was really funny because when it was over, I always get like post-show blues and I was just like, 
going home and I was like starting to cry and I was like why am I crying and I was like oh I just it's just so nice to be surrounded by people that have a like a similar passion and Mm. we all got on so well even though we'd not really ever met in person and yeah it's a weird thing because I've done I've done another course online uh, with Royal Central and again we we rehearsed and met online and we were learning online for six months and then we met in person and did like a two two week intensive course in central at the central um school of speech and drama and it was again it's like you know them but you don't because you're not you do but you haven't actually met them physically and it's quite a weird thing to and acting is so can be so exposing and intimate and you know we do these exercises that are you know some of it is like therapy and to do that with people that you really you don't know is is a it's um it's like there's a lot of trust there and it's really lovely that everyone is so accommodating and there's no judgment and yeah it's it's been a really nice year actually to meet all these people in real life and build all these connections and uh one particular um person from the courses we've actually we we were paired up together to do our final uh, project together so at central we were basically aiming to write a short and then film it and we loved our idea so much that we've actually going to develop it into something a little bit more so um hopefully we can like get funding for that and we just need to like it's funny because you know like one side of the industry which is the being the, in the front of the camera side but then if you want to create your own work we then have to work out how we get funding and who do we send it to and um, obviously we want to make it to a high standard so we need funding first and we need to yeah work all those little things out but I'm really excited about that to um, develop that certainly one good way of making sure that you've got work coming in as a as an actor if you're actually writing for yourself uh yes. is that the motivation or is it um or is it more than that is that is that a creative motivation that um is is entirely separate and something that you want to pursue so i was told at several drama schools if you want work create your own right um i uh, there's a lot of me, if I'm honest. Okay. <laughs> right? Like in terms of like physicality, there is a lot of me um, out there. So I have to prove to people that I have something different, if that makes sense. I have to prove to casting directors and directors that I have something different compared to somebody else that looks exactly like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the battle with acting. Like it's hard. It's a really hard industry to crack. And a lot of the time you just have to keep going. Like you have to persevere. Like I am no, and I am not at the point where I can leave my day job. Um, You know, a lot of us have several jobs, several sources of income because it's hard. Mm -hmm. And if you can, if you're happy to maintain it like that, to, to get to a point where acting can be your sole income, that's great but and a lot of people can't and that's really difficult and it yeah you have to be multi-skilled I think um which is why I I love 
in front of the camera but I also really appreciate behind the scenes too so if acting never worked out for me then I would definitely pursue a career behind the scenes if that was in props or makeup or um, assistant directing directing like I would or set dressing or whatever I just kind of love film and tv so much that and theatre that I would just want to be a part of it somehow um but yeah creating your own work is definitely something that is well obviously you can cast yourself in it or mm, whatever yeah. but I I definitely looking at I really enjoy directing um and I mean maybe somebody like Greta Gerwig and Emerald Fennell are like people that I really ad admire and aspire to because they've both done both sides of that so they've both acted and they've both been they are directors so their careers are very I don't know like they they, they really appeal because mm -hmm. it's I have definitely got a creative vision and I'd like to be able to present that and also love storytelling and the reason why I love acting is because I love being able to tell stories so being able to do all of it <laughs> I mean I don't know if that's possible because I don't have enough time to do any of it at the moment anyway so it'd be nice to be in a position where you could actually sit down and actually have time to go through things and work things out and dedicate more time to things yeah um so what, what, I'm sure that will come I'm sure it will um but whilst you're talking about what you've uh what you what you're aiming to do there um what made you want to be an actor in the first place considering it's such a uh, unstable um role uh certainly mm. one that you can't necessarily um a lot of people can't necessarily uh, make a living out of um what was it that made you go for that and when were you a child or was it, yeah, was it more um, recent my mum put me in a ballet class when i was two mm -hmm. and i adored it and i every time my mum tells me that when i was a little girl she bought me a little like tutu with a like this bright pink tutu leotard combo thing and she said every day i'd get up and be like i want to wear that today and i would just dance around the house constantly um i was always performing as a child like always like doing talent shows or something performative like mm -hmm. um like ballet was my favorite time of the week and i don't know i felt like really at home being a performer and then when my sister was born it was almost like i had like an audience and, and well no because <laughs> i just well, i roped her in to everything right. like we would constantly perform little things of like we'd watch a tv series and then we would act it out at home but our own storylines and like she was my fellow actor and it was we were just really good at entertaining ourselves as children um and just being perform just performing all the time um when i was a teen so i was very naturally drawn to it and i don't like i wasn't pushed into it i didn't go to like a drama club as a real small child but I just felt like I loved singing and dancing and I loved they were like my main passions as a very young child uh, mainly dancing I was obsessed with dance um, 
any dance class I could do, I wanted to go to it. Um, when I was a bit older, like a teenager, I, dancing was still my passion. Like my passion. Mm -hmm. So, um, so there's like in in like there's like the triple threats, isn't it? Like dancer, singer, actor, and dancing was always at the top when I was younger. Then singing, and then acting. And now it's like completely flipped. So acting is at the top, singing's in the middle, and dancing. I'm not as good as anymore. <laughs> I can get by, but I wouldn't be able to do like musical theatre dancing every night of the week. Mm -hmm. I would uh, think I would struggle. Um, well, I suppose those things as well. They 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 could probably easily flip because, in terms of the the likelihood of making a living out of those things. Probably acting comes first uh, before yes. before singing and dancing. Um, as you yeah, say, I mean, it probably takes a lot to be a, a professional dancer. Um, oh yes, yeah. hours and hours and hours of training. Yeah, yeah, from a very and small I, age as well. I should imagine. Yeah, and your dance—if you just just a dancer, your dancing career is quite is my dancing career would be over already. I'd be too old, hmm. which is which is insane. Um, yeah, and we, I had to have like a big, a big chat. I had a big chat with my friend, like my best friend. And I was like, do I do the musical theater route or do I do the acting route? And he's very brutal and very honest. And he went, you're not a good enough singer to, he's like, you're a good singer and you can sing, but you're not a good enough singer to do, have a musical theater career. And I was like, cool acting it is then he was like he, you know he was like you know you if you ever made it and you could you could get cast in a musical adaptation of something that mm. was filmed then yeah that would be your route into musical theater but not stage musical theater those guys are athletes like musical theater performers are athletes they are incredible and yeah i can sing but i can't i don't think i well, I would damn do my damnedest to try to do eight shows a week, but and I know I could, um, but it isn't is a massive. They are incredibly talented individuals that do musical theatre, and I absolutely adore watching musical theatre because I just think there's so much talent. Mm. Everybody is so talented, and even the smallest role is not because they are probably a swing or an alternate or something, and they will know the whole thing inside out. Which... There's something about um, there's something about musical theatre uh, that makes me think that uh, although they may, may be very talented, um, they, they give off the impression that they know full well that they're very talented um, with every sort of move and gesture and uh, inflection. They are... Um, they're putting forward the fact that they are they are talented to to the whole world. Yeah, a bit showy, <laughs> you could say. I mean, of course, you've got to be Stag showy to be in a show. Is the term. But still, Stag what's, what's the term? Stagey is the term. Stagey. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't blame them. They are <laughs> extremely talented. But yeah, you do always know who a musical theatre person mm, is. Mm. <laughs> it's very obvious. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I if I see see something like that, I just think, um, well, my first thought is, oh, it's all a bit stage school, because um, I I think that's 
Yeah, that's the kind of impression I get. It's all sort of uh, a bit jazz hands. Um, so, um, so in terms, in terms, you're not of, the only one that thinks that. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I have many friends that feel similarly. Good. Um, uh, I didn't want to be, you know, put down as some sort of um, uh, some sort of bigots by the uh, by the musical theatre um, <laughs> community. You're banned from the yeah. West End now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll take that ban. Um, You'll take that. <laughs> but, um, so, bringing it back to your to your acting, um, what is the um, what's what's the objective? What's what's the goal? Where do you want to take it? Oh, obviously, I'd love to be in the two percent of actors that have an amazing career mm-hmm. um, uh, that win awards and get to dress up and be beautiful all the time. Um, but that's very unlikely. Um, and I'm quite real about that. Um, that would be lovely. And I would, the universe can grant me that if it would like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also real. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of starting in, no, there's, for acting, there's no age limit. But I am also starting, I feel like I'm starting later yep. in life. Um. If I was lucky and I actually made it, I'm not going to make it properly until I'm like in my mid 40s because, you know, there's nothing, no such thing as an overnight success unless I was incredibly lucky and somebody just plucked my spotlight CV and my headshots and went, that's the girl, that's who I need for my film, commercial, whatever, TV series. If I was as lucky to have that, that would be amazing. Um, But if we're being realistic, I mean, I might not ever make it. Might, you know, might never ever come to fruition, and that's also fine. Um, I I work as a medical role player, so I play patients for clinicians, mm-hmm. teach them communication skills through scenarios of acting, uh, you know, through scenarios of different medical things, and use my acting skills to do that. And because I was getting a lot of good feedback from that, and clinicians and the students would be like you know you're really realistic like I really believe you like it's a really nice environment to learn I also know that it's a safe environment because you're not a real patient but I actually believe you're a real patient Mm -hmm. so we're in this weird like clinical scenario which is kind of like simulated but it's helping them learn and also I'm giving them a performance they actually believe so some of them get, you know, we get really into it and it can be quite distressing and there's the, to- the topics that we do that are quite in-depth and I mean, I do, you know, resource cases and things like that where a child is having CPR and I'm playing the parent and I have to break down and they have to cope with me breaking down whilst also managing a child that is having CPR. Um, and if we can be as realistic as possible in that situation, that gives them such amazing training to actually encounter that in real life and because I was getting all that great feedback I was like why am I not just trying to be an actor like and yeah it's it's a different uh, it's more like improv kind of stuff that we do we get given like a history and then we kind of like work with like the facilitator or the students on how they want us to play it and it's a really I really enjoy it because it's it is like a lot of improv work and you have to think on your feet sometimes. Some students will throw a question at you that is not written in your history and you just have to answer with something mm-hmm. that's believable. Um, 
and it's given me a lot of good skills like thinking on my feet and what if something goes wrong in a scene I can just kind of pick it up and you know improvise or I, I don't panic anymore because I have those skills that I've built through doing that work um it seems I've gone like on you... a massive massive tangent <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you'd be a very good candidate uh for casualty yes well you know <laughs> If the casting director of Casualty would like to take me on, I'm here also working in A&E, my day job. <laughs> I'm well trained for Casualty. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, and I, I've, I've completely lost where we were going with all that. What? Um, no, oh, my objective. There we go. Your objective, yes. My objective. Um, yeah, I, I just want to... I would just love to tell stories and I don't know, like, I feel like it's really cheesy, isn't it? To be like, yeah, I'd love to be able to portray. What's the objective? I really love to tell stories. It it does. It does sound a bit, it sounds a bit woolly. Yeah, a little bit. I think maybe you are a bit woolly, but maybe, (laughs) um, maybe your objective could be, um, casualty or something similar like that or uh i mean is it television acting is it is it theater is it something else um or is it you know jobbing actor and it's oh it's that girl who's in that advert i know you're saying oh i love i love to tell a story um which but you know to most people they would think okay here we go getting a bit stage school now What's, what's the what's the real objective? Where where do you want to be, and what do you want to be doing on a day to day basis? There's a lot of careers that I really aspire to. Like I'd love to do TV or film or both. Well, I'd love to do both, hmm. um, but I don't like. Like there are some. I'm, I'm gonna like completely pull a blank now, aren't I? Um, or like. There are loads of actors on TV and film that have, they've never been like a leading man or lady, but they are, they work, they're working actors and they work and they're phenomenal of what, what they do. Mm. Um, And I think there's a place for everybody. Like I like TV. I watch, I like a lot of series. I like, I'd love to do a comedy series. I'd absolutely just adore to do something like that. I am, <laughs> I am writing one. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm also writing my own show. Like I love, like I love Fleabag. I think Fleabag is amazing. And I know loads of actors who are female love Fleabag too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, it's just, and it's not necessarily the fact that she breaks the fourth wall and things like that. It's just really, really well written. And um it was really well cast as well so it was just a great show and something that i can watch and just think yeah that's cool i aspire to write something and perform in something like that like i'd be pretty happy with a bbc3 or a bbc2 whatever you know they they fluctuate which one of them kind of is their champion for comedy or channel 4 anything channel 4 comedy like i'd be pretty happy sitting in those little niches like mm-hmm. i'd really be happy with that also you know like a good bbc one drama and a big you know a, a good itv one drama would not be i would not turn my nose up at that either <laughs> so um 
yeah they would that would be amazing like I don't and 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 I'd obviously love voiceover work too so anything that I would the objective is to be able to act um, make a living from it a comfortable living and just do that forever mm. like because it just brings me so much joy and when I say I like telling stories it's because like I want to be able to I want to be able to be involved with projects where people go do you know what I watched that series and I really related to that and I feel like I'm not as alone anymore because that has happened like something in that that one particular scene in that series that Lauren Buck made made me think yeah I relate to that and actually that's all right and I you know somebody if somebody could feel less alone because of that then I'd be happy and that's really cheesy I know that's cheesy but I feel like that when I watch films and tv if I watch something and it moves me or makes me laugh it makes me cry it makes me relate to it I just think that is why I love TV and film and theatre as well. Don't get me wrong. I don't go to the theatre as much as I would like to. Um, but I just, there's something about TV and film. I just love everything about it. And being able to help with somebody's escapism or something, I don't know. Like there's there's series that I have that are proper comfort series for me and if that was, if I could create something like that and somebody that was their comfort series, like, I'm, I'd be happy with that. Mm -hmm. Like, and it does sound cheesy and I'm not going to save the world through my acting, but if it made someone feel a bit less alone, maybe for half an hour, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, you know, like TV and film is my comfort. Mm. And when I can't express how I feel sometimes and I see that, I see a character expressing how I feel. I just think, oh, okay, well, I'm not so I'm not so random. It's not something that I suffer with on my own. It's somebody else somebody else feels that and I can relate to it. And it makes me feel a bit better about myself. I don't know. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Like maybe I'm just a bit of a <laughs> uh that sole person. Like I find comfort in things like that. So And in terms of trying to forge your career, um, particularly on um on television um you can take comfort i mean i would think of the fact that uh there are numerous channels um constantly pushing out numerous um mm. uh, numerous programs all the time lots and lots of new stuff all the time um and it requires a, an unbelievable amount of actors mm. And they must all yeah. come from somewhere, and they're all getting paid, <laughs> and they're all doing it for a job. It's it's yep. not it's not that whole two percent thing. It is there are jobbing actors out there who've got work in television, and, oh yeah, and you and you do see the same face, uh, you know, the same faces as you say from one series or one thing to another, um, and then you go to the ads. Well, then you've got the advertisements. You have got somebody acting there somebody just pretending to be a customer or a or a father or a hedge trimmer or a bus driver whatever it may be they're, they're out there every oh, every yeah. minute you're 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 watching actors on on all the channels yeah and it's amazing how many of them there are. 
<laughs> and how small the industry is. Mm. Like, um, it's funny because when I watch TV now, I see people that I know or I know of them or I've seen them at a workshop or something. And I'm like, oh, I know that person or, oh, yeah, that's my friend. Or, yeah, it's weird to be like, but I don't know enough of them yet to be like, like TV's ruined for me. Because <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, well, I know all these people <laughs> in real life. Um, I think I think that's also really cool about acting is that it's it is trying to emulate real life so you don't have to be a certain yes the industry is looking for a certain aesthetic sometimes but actually it doesn't really matter what you look like um I get so hung up on my weight and always think maybe I won't get cast because I'm curvy um and things like that or you know I don't particularly like my chin <laughs> but there's a place for me somewhere mm -hmm. maybe <laughs> hopefully um it made me there's a really cool thing that um so Ricky Gervais did Afterlife and Afterlife obviously has been incredibly su successful um when it was shown in America a lot of American I think like TV hosts and things like that said, why are your, why is your cast so ugly? Mm. Um, because we have this kind of like, I guess sometimes things get Americanized. So then they cast more like, it's like when people say who would play you in like a film of your life mm. and it would always be like a better looking version of you or whatever. Mm. Um, and his reply was like, they're, they're just real people because that's what real people look like. Real people look real people aren't all like supermodels mm. they have you know some people are overweight and some people are short and some people are tall and like <laughs> yeah you get that a lot with uh with american uh stuff and uh you know there'll be somebody who's supposedly you know the 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 geek or you know the nerd and they just happen to have a six-pack and a chiseled jaw and you just think that that just doesn't look right and then it just no. doesn't work and it just kills it. It's very yeah. easy to kill um, a, um, it's very easy to kill some drama just because, you know, somebody said one thing or done one thing or, um, you know, is, is badly cast or the wrong thing is said. And it just, and it just can destroy a scene if it destroys the scene it destroys you i mean there's so many times i'm watching things and i just think well that's that ruined yeah that's gone that's gone lost it now i was watching um what was it uh crime irving welsh's crime series two and i won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it but <laughs> The last episode, the last three words uttered in the last episode ruined the entire thing for me. Oh, wow. Because the last three words of the last episode were so self-indulgent that they ruined the entire thing. It was That's unnecessary. Bad. No spoilers. You'll have to watch it. <laughs> Maybe you won't feel like <laughs> that when you, get, when you get when you get to the end of it, and you don't feel that way. Fine, the rest of it was fine, but yeah. when it got to the end, no, that kind of killed it. So it's easily done. 
yeah yeah and if you got and some it... if you got somebody going back to what we're actually talking rather than some tangent about something that i'm really bitter about um well <laughs> if we go back to go back to what we were talking about actually and it seems as though they've got this like very small pool of people to to um to cast from and they're all effectively perfect looking not real people as you say which has changed so castings now are more about casting people that look real like um which is it makes me laugh when i i see it written on casting sites uh, looking for real real people mm. <laughs> and i'm like hi i am a real person <laughs> <laughs> It's a real funny thing that people write, and it's written a lot in castings, looking for real people. Really? It is a really funny thing, and every time I see it on casting sites, which is very regularly, uh, it makes me laugh, because I'm always like, well, I'm a real person, can mm. you cast me? Um, <laughs> it's just a funny thing. And I saw a meme the other day about um, Bridget Jones and how um, Renny Zellweger was like a size 10 or a 12, and she was like, fat. Yeah. <laughs> and she like lives in Bridget Jones, she like lives in a central London flat and she's like pathetic. Like she's like classed as being pathetic and fat. And you're like, what? <laughs> really? Wait, just that, like, nev that never she's... translated. Bridget Jones walks into the bathroom and the American woman sat there. And then. Everybody looks a bit embarrassed, and the woman says, "Oh, I thought you said she was thin." I thought, "Well, she's not fat." It didn't make any sense. It was like, <laughs> I mean, by by modern standards, that is thin. I mean, have you not been to Aldi? Yeah. I mean, look around. <laughs> she, Bridget Jones, is thin by any reasonable measure. Um. So yeah, that uh, it just doesn't quite make sense but that's americans for you no and marty mccutcheonson was fat in uh, love actually as well which yeah is also ridiculous not at yeah. All. yeah yeah he's like oh the one with the thighs and you're like yeah the chubby really? one what really <laughs> the chubby one yeah. yeah oh gosh like she's not in any shape or form is she really but it's changed like that's completely changed now that's not it's almost a bit cringeworthy, isn't it, when you watch it? Um, like, that just doesn't have a real place anymore in this industry. Like, it, it will still be done, but it it's it's just not very... That's just not the industry anymore. Mm. Like, which is nice because it's now people, you know... I always felt like I had to be a, a certain aesthetic to be an actor. And maybe that is why... I mean, I didn't have the confidence 10 years ago to pursue acting um, because of the rejection. I think it's, it's hard. Like mm. you, you send us, you go to an audition or you send off a self tape and you never hear back and you don't know if you were good or not. And you just have to live with that, that you've, you just have to live knowing that you did the best you could Um when you send it off into the casting world and it goes into the ether. Like I, I learned recently on a workshop that actually there is a lot of things that, that are not on your side or they're just not, you know, if you're being cast for something, do you look like someone else in the cast already? They're not going to have two people yeah. that look the same on the cast because 
Why? Why would you do that? Unless you're siblings or a family, um, you also have to look that which we then if you have a family and the family are already established, do you look like the family that you're going to be playing with? Like, do you um, do you have a good chemistry with the lead or if you're the love interest? Like there's so many little cogs. Is Do you have availability? Like, are you free to do this shoot? Mm. Because the shoot will be from this date to this date. And if you're free, great. And if you're not, they're going to go with someone else. Like there's so many other factors. And when you're starting out, you don't realize all those little factors and you just think it's you and you just think, Oh, I'm just crap. Like my self-date's rubbish. My self-date might be rubbish, but there are so many other things that they're looking for that actually <laughs> it's a very small chance that you'll get it. Like, and you, it, they might just, you might be you know, prepped for it and they might be like, yep, Lauren, Lauren Buck is who I want for this role. And then someone else could go, actually, no, we don't want, we don't want that. We want something else. Yeah. It's kind of the opposite of a job interview, because in a job interview, generally speaking, what you'll want to know is you'll want some feedback. Where did I go wrong? What, you know, what, what didn't I do right? But in actual fact, when it comes to these casting arrangements and, and, and being rejected for, a, for an acting job, actually, it could be a whole myriad of things. It could be, it could be absolutely anything could be just your your eye color none of these things that you could do anything about and um, actually to find out would be would be of no use to you the, no. there's no good feedback because the next casting executive is going to make a different decision yeah and then the next one a different one and the next one a different one and to some extent as long as as long as what you're what you're doing in terms of performance is of a is of a reasonable standard then really to some extent you can play the numbers game yeah because eventually you you will fit all the all the requirements and there won't be something else that's in the way or like you say um availability won't be a you know won't be an issue or whatever it might be and it's it's about being consistent as well so Always showing up and being consistent and doing a good job mm. will always get you somewhere mm. because a lot of these, you know, the workshops I've been to with directors and casting agents and casting directors, they they all say like be consistent, mm. you know, do the best that you very you do, do your very best and like you know make good choices and things like that. But again, yeah, you're right. Like it, it's not as easy as that. But if you're consistent and Things like somebody said, like just the, one of the rules of acting is don't be a dick. So it's like know your lines, know your cue, like know your know your mark, and don't be a dick. Um, because you you also don't know who is around. Like I, when you said when I said to like introduce me as a nice human, like I quite pride myself on being a nice person. I have a tattoo that says be nice. Like I can't not be a nice person <laughs> um but i will always like you don't you actually don't know like who everyone talks to on set either like i worked with a director and said that he took a re recommendation because the driver said that this cast this actor was a lovely person mm -hmm. and was always really kind to him and nice and made good conversation and wasn't horrible and just it was he said like it, she was such a joy to drive 
that actually when the director said she had quite a small part in a certain I don't I can't remember what series it was but um then when they were casting something else he remembered that the driver had said she was lovely and it was a pleasure to drive her mm. and that kind of that you want those kinds of people on your set because sets are stressful places and you don't want ego on set mm. you just want people that are going to do their job mm. and um another tutor of ours taught us that actually the actors aren't the stars on the set we just deliver the lines and there are so many people that work on productions that get no credit and they work way harder than actors like people are on set from three o'clock in the morning to the next morning and they get hardly any sleep and they just turn up and do their jobs and like the actors are the ones that always like typically have the egos and we're the ones that are there the least amount of time we're the last we're the last bit of the puzzle because everything's been done by the time we get to set because we're the last thing that goes on to set (laughs) so he was saying like you are just a cog in a machine because there's so many other moving parts so make sure that you do your job when you are on set and it was really humbling to learn that because actually yeah and like I said to you before I love everything about production and things like that I find it really interesting and I met people that work in production and lighting or uh, effects and things and I just really enjoy asking them about their jobs because they're the ones that kind of make the actors look good so it's always good to have those people on your side um but also I find just find it really interesting I'm like what do you do like how do you um like when people you know you're you're told to hit a line or a mark sorry because if you don't everything else doesn't work like you're not in focus you're not lit properly like there's so many other things just because you know just you just literally have to stand on one line I mean and if you miss that you ruin a lot of other things for a lot of other people um so it's really humbling to know those things to then make yourself a better actor i guess mm. make you uh have have the ability to listen and do as you're told for fear of messing the entire scene up yes which is why doesn't matter how well you can deliver a line if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and uh, and, and facing the background exactly yeah. so there's absolutely it's it and also like it is a lot of people were like oh yeah I, I think I could be an actor and I'm like yeah cool you, sh- you should try and then when you do scene work you're like there are so many plates spinning in my head right now I have to mm. remember this dialogue I have to remember my cue I have to remember where I'm going I have to remember where to stand and where to look and and give it a performance that is actually convincing sometimes all those things are very overwhelming and it um it's a lot of multitasking that goes on in your head Mm. um we were doing some exercises at drama school where we were clapping and counting numbers backwards and jumping up and down all at the same time and someone was like, why are we doing this? This is so random. And I was like, you need to know how to multitask because <laughs> that is exactly what you'll be doing on set. Um, not so much in theatre, I don't think, but I haven't done big, big theatre stuff. But mm. um, yeah, 
there is so much that you have to like take on board and you're like ah, this can be a little bit overwhelming but hopefully by the time I get to that point I'll be nice and prepared mm. I think <laughs> one thing that would um would terrify well not terrify but certainly vexed me is remembering lines remembering lines for for one play like i've done amateur dramatics and i've remembered uh the the lines for a part and after a while or after a few months of rehearsals and having read it a million times over you get that that's fine but if you're an actor and that's your day job or even if it's just your part-time day job and you're doing a play but you're also doing something on tv you're also doing an ad you're also doing some voice voiceovers different because you can have a script right in front of you but if there's that's that's a big jumble of words of parts and there's a lot to remember um what about techniques for trying to remember what you've got to say when you're actually getting to the right spot and you're facing the right place and you're wearing the right wig? Yeah. Um, so when I was training, and I'm still training, I still attend classes, I was I was doing self-tapes and training and learning scripts for different various different classes and different projects, um, little short films and things like that. And I think one week I had like four scripts to learn and it can be very overwhelming working a day job also having a life and then having all of that in your head at the same time I don't really know how I do it I think I just um I know I knew this word would come up I compartmentalize I can never say <laughs> literally everything to do with my life it has a box in mm -hmm. my head and I think I have one of those for acting stuff so um like there's like there's a filing cabinet for monologues and i'll just put a little like i just got a little few monologues in there and um before i uh, like now i have one monologue that i always you know if i need a monologue and i need it fast i have a monologue in my head and i will always and i've always remember it um all i need to do is kind of just run it in out loud and then I'm good to go with it because it's just one of those little things that I just keep stored right in the back of my head just in case someone goes hey give me a monologue mm. <laughs> it's quite rare that that will happen but sometimes if you're doing like a workshop for example uh, if then there's time left they'll be like right guys if anyone's got a monologue they've got prepared but why don't we just do it and it's about being able to just be like okay here it is <laughs> pluck that out um Luckily, like for me at the moment, I'm the scripts I learn are quite short for self tapes and things like that. Um, but I think it's just repetition. Like you have to just. So for me, it's about putting them in the little different files and the different boxes, and then learning them is just about repetition. So um, the best way I learn it is I have an app that you can record all the dialogue. And I record my lines and I record the the other person's lines. And then the basically it will go silent on your lines. So you so you can then speak them out loud. Right. It's um it listens for the cues of your lines because you've already recorded it in. It's like um dictated it down and 
it knows when the cues are coming so then it cues up the one that you've recorded so the other person the reader's lines are cued so then you do a bit of dialogue and then that comes in that which then gives you a cue for your next line and that is how I learn lines and it's just about repetition and it is it can be very boring and dull and you just have to I sometimes I find it really like my weird little things are just before bed is a good time for me to learn lines so I will lie down and I have my phone so I can't see the lines and I will just recite them with the little app that goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Um, I also use it in the car, so like a car, like a hands-free kit. I literally mm-hmm. queue it up, start driving, and then I just do lines in the car while I drive. So I can put it through my um, like sound system in my car, and it all. I basically just probably look like an absolute madwoman, where people are driving past me and I'm just reciting lines, and that's how I. I recite monologues in my car like I will learn them to a point where I don't need to look at them anymore and then I will just run them in the car and I would just just you know it's like singing in the car Mm -hmm. like it's the same thing like if I have a monologue and I need to go over it I will just keep running it and running it and running it and running it until it is just embedded um and I don't know why the car's a good place for me to do that I don't know I think maybe because I'm already doing something, it's going into the subconscious. Um, as, long, as long as it doesn't mean that when when you come to being on stage or in front of the camera, the only way that you can remember your lines is to be doing this. No, no, that, no. That would that would really interfere with, uh, unless it was a driving scene, of course. Just me, yeah, just me <laughs> in my car on set. Like, hey guys, this is the only way I can do my lines. Um, no, it's it's almost like you learn it cold. So you learn the lines cold with no um, emotion or anything. So they're just lines. So um, then you add you add the emotion afterwards um, because you might get directed differently as well. So you could learn a big, big piece and it could be really shouty and emotional. And then the director is actually like, no, no, make it small and quiet and, um, you know, a bit vindictive or something. Mm. And if you've learned it big and emotional, it's quite hard to adjust those lines mm. to be something else so it's it's like i'm not i'm not an acting teacher these are just the skills i've learned well, from just training just, but just to add an extra layer of complexity to all of this the learning of lines the you know where you put the emphasis on it and where you've got to stand and uh you know which way you've got to face and which hat you've got to wear i don't think you mentioned hats but you get the drift no. with all these yeah. things going on um i noticed because there's a there's a website called mandy.com mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of people are on including yourself um and one of the things that is listed is a whole quite a colorful variety of different accents that you are um well you certainly claim uh, to be capable of um how how does that work out to be to be adding uh something because i mean most people can put on some kind of accent for a for a very short space of time but if you're looking for a whole a whole piece of dialogue especially with um especially with words that you wouldn't necessarily hear being mm-hmm. said in those in those different um in those different voices um 
how difficult is it? And in reality, um, how many parts would you be entirely confident in playing with a completely different accent? It depend on the accent. <laughs> okay. If it was American accent, I, I, I have a passable American accent. Um, and the reason why, so this is also a thing that is, if somebody else can do it already, you're more likely to be cast. Yeah. So if, if American accent is your accent and they want American, then you probably got the job over me. Um, but a lot of, a lot of American um, studios are now in England. So Amazon has Amazon Prime has a studio in England. Uh, Disney Plus has a studio in England, and yeah, they might have the, you know, the sole actors. You know, the 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 leads are American, but they're not going to fly loads of American people over mm. to do this American series because it will be cheaper to film it here than it is in America. Why is that? So they want people. I don't know why it is because a lot of productions are now in Canada as well, right. and apparently that's because it's cheaper. Um. So I'm not sure why it's cheaper. I don't know if we have some kind of tax break if we shoot it here. I think that is the reason. I'm not, but don't quote me on it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they, they can't afford to fly loads of American extras over or sporting artists, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, so, or and you know, like day players and things like that. So they'll cast English you know, English people that can do American accent or Americans that are already here. Um, so it's always good to have accent work because, you know, they might need somebody. I mean, I cannot do a Scottish accent. Um, I would love to be able to do one and I'm working on it, but mm. it's not ready to be shown to the world yet. <laughs> but if, you know, they wanted a Scottish actor, I mean, there's a lot of Scottish accents in London already, but, you know, if you were random and you were just... They were like, right, okay, uh, Lauren's got a base in Cambridge, so and we need a Scottish actor now. Mm. Okay, let's let's hire her because yeah. she's here and it's easy and it solves a problem. Um, and that, that's a lot of what actors are have to be. We have to be the solve. You know, we solve the problem for a lot of people. Mm. Like somebody said to me, um, in terms of like voice work, if you solve a problem for the casting director, they're gonna hire you. Like give them, you know, make it easy for them to cast you because you're solving a problem. They don't have this. They're looking for something specific, but they don't know what it is. And then you can be like, this is what I can do. And if you're good at it and you give them a reason to be like, oh, that is, that's the answer to our problem. There it is. Hiya, you know, congratulations. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think that's why a lot, I mean, accent works great to have just because of that. Um, My sister is amazing in accents and I wish she would have given me that skill um and I'm getting better it's um definitely work um a lot of accent work is and dialect work is about the placement of where things are in your mouth um because I have a very generalized RP accent um which what 30 40 years ago would be perfect for acting that is what 
the gold standard of accent was mm. and you were told acting you know at drama school that you needed an rp accent get rid of your uh you know your I can't think of the word because my brain's gone to mush regional uh, regional there we go get rid of your regional accent we don't want that we want everyone to have an rp accent and now it's changed yeah. so now nobody wants an rp accent <laughs> i don't basically nobody wants me um they want regional accents um which is amazing that you know that's great and it's really nice to watch things with regional accents in it because it mm. makes it so diverse and interesting and i even i'd be bored of listening to 10 actors talk like me <laughs> in a series because it's like yeah well it's nice when there's a texture well, one thing that I did want to ask you, um, and I mentioned, uh, I mentioned one uh, website um, a moment ago, but when it comes to when it comes to finding acting work, or mm -hmm. voiceover work, or um, you know whatever it may be, in terms of the nuts and bolts of doing that, how does somebody who wants to be an actor, who wants to find acting work, actually? Uh, be proactive what what are they doing what what are you doing uh to to get yourself out there you have to be proactive nobody is going to knock on your door and say hey i have this role for you you're going to be in this major hollywood blockbuster film nobody is going to do that for you unless you're super super lucky or you know somebody in the industry already or your parents are steven spielberg or whatever i don't think that happens so you i said to i said to an actor friend of mine recently i swear most of my acting is admin at the moment all i'm doing is sending is applying for castings and you have to be really i mean i have taken my foot off the gas um because i just don't have time at the moment because i'm just so overwhelmed with so much that i'm already doing but there was a point where I was getting up, checking my emails, going on Mandy and applying for everything that I fit casting wise. And that's that involves reading the breakdown of what they want from a character, giving them like an, a bit of you and saying, hi, I'm Lauren. I think I'd be suitable for this role. Um, was the extent I like what you've put in, you know, you, you need to you can't just kind of copy and paste a reply. You have to kind of read what they're looking for and see if you fit that. Or oh, I have this experience or I've been through this similar, I've been through something similar. So I feel like I could bring that uh, emotion to this, this project or, or sometimes it's just a project that, you know, they've said, oh, we, you know, and these projects are like student films and short films and um, indie, indie flicks and things like that. These, you know, there's no, the big, the big, big stuff is not available to me to look at and apply for. I have, you know, I'd have to be part of a big, big agency um, and have somebody doing that work for me. But I don't have that. I have an, I'm an, I'm with an agency and they work really hard for me and they have got me loads of um, self-tapes, which I'm really, really grateful for this year. Um, but I also, again, like they're on, on Spotlight is another casting site. There's an option to nudge your agent. So if you see something that you want to put yourself up for and you think, yep, that's my casting, and maybe the agent thought, mm, not sure, but you think, or it's not well paid, or it's a student project, or 
it isn't paid and it's just expenses but and if you're happy to do that i will always just still nudge and be like hey it's just basically a button that says nudge um and you know sometimes i'll follow up with an email or i'll follow up with an email and just to my agent and say hey i know it's not paid but actually it'd be a good experience or i'm really interested in the project mm-hmm. um it's something that i would really like to be involved with and it's co- it's just admin constant admin like constantly trawling through casting sites um there's like mandy in the backstage and star now um and a new one called casting collective and it's about like and i have all those emails that's all i get in emails emails are just job just like job things that come through yeah. on these like castings that come through and that's all the emails i get really <laughs> and occasionally i'll get like a little cool little email that'll be like a casting director wants you to do a self-tape and I'm like yes uh, <laughs> but mainly it's just literally being told that there's castings and it's about going through the one and just being I mean you can put settings on a lot of these casting websites so you can kind of put a filter on it so you can put what gender you identify as you can put your age you can put height um like your, your playing age and things like that um so you only get those jobs come through to you um mine's a bit broader because sometimes they fall into different categories if that makes sense so Mm. it might be a casting where they're looking for uh, a lead but they don't particularly want male or female identifying so it's open but if you've only got one I think it only sends you it if you don't have anything specific so you have to be careful with things like that if you've like proper if you're a proper niche if you have a proper niche then that's great for that but mine's quite open so i do get lots of castings that just aren't me Hmm. um and it's just about kind of getting through all of those and being like no they're not applicable um it's funny because when you (laughs) when you're doing all the admin sometimes you're like you're you i so basically what i do is i scroll down to what the casting is what they're looking for basically so um for me obviously white female in the playing age of 25 to 40 um and i if it's not that i would just move on yeah like because i've done it so many times i've read a role and been like oh this is perfect i really love to play this not my casting it's just not my casting type not the right age like whatever like and i just (laughs) it's so disappointing because you read you read, like, sometimes the bios are huge and like, this is a brand new like indie project or this amazing new indie feature film and this is the role and you're like oh that character sounds incredible and then you get to the point and you're like oh it's not it's not me <laughs> they, don't, they don't want me um so i have you have to do it like now i always scroll down to see what they're looking for and then if it's not me then i just have to put it in the bin in the theoretical bin um and that is that takes time that's hours takes hours sometimes like and you have to be on top of it because sometimes it's first come first serve like so yeah it's it's hard it's hard the admin side of it is intense and a lot of people that get anywhere is just the ones that plug away they just they're just on it and they're just but you also have to live like you always have to have a life because if you don't have a life then you have nothing to like draw from experience wise so it's it's finding that balance um 
which is not a balance ever. So sometimes if I have a day off or a morning off from like my day job or whatever, I will just scroll through castings mm. and just see what is there. And sometimes like with uh, voiceover stuff, they want an audition straight away. They want you to record it and send. That's how you like with sometimes with uh, features and TV and casting stuff for just acting on Mandy they just I've already got a showreel I've got headshots they know what I look like they can see how I act you can just send them with a cover letter and you know it's gone those ones are easy to do because I already have all the material ready to send but if they want you to do you know they want you to read an excerpt of you know something random like their advert they're looking for that means I have to come home I need to put my laptop in put my mic you know set my mic up and you know open logic and edit it and mm. get it all and it's not as easy so sometimes I have to do those ones in blocks so I just like every week I'll do a couple of nights a week I'll just sit at my laptop and record voiceover work and I, I must I've like a I have a folder on my desktop that says voiceover auditions there must be over a hundred in there and I've not ever got any work from it but that is, like I said it before, it's like a numbers game. Like, and somebody said to me, you'll get a thousand no's and one yes, but that one yes will be the thing that you want. But you have to have all those no's first. And it's hard. Mm. And it is, if you're an aspiring actor, and as an aspiring actor, like, it's hard to put yourself out there constantly and get nothing back. It's really difficult. <laughs> So now, um, now Dennis of Penge has finished. What's uh, what's in the pipeline? What's what's next? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> so if anyone wants to cast me for anything, I'm hi. <laughs> I'll put my spotlight pin down the bottom here. That, that's I? a really good segue, actually, into if anybody's watching this and just wants to uh, <laughs> to engage your services as uh, as an actor, um, where where would they find out more from you? Uh, well, Instagram, I am Lauren Buck is my handle on Twitter slash X. Literally, I am Lauren Buck. I am All, Lauren the Buck. Whole, that whole, the whole phrase. Yeah, at I am okay. Lauren Buck. Okay. <laughs> you know, just made it, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't really know. Like, Lauren Buck was just taken, so I couldn't right, have it. Right, okay. Okay, because <laughs> it was taken, and I'm not going to pay someone for yeah. an account. And uh, official um, always seems a bit up yourself doesn't it yeah, yeah i had official and then i was like why am i official i'm not a per i'm not re like i'm not anything i don't have a yeah. blue tick or anything yeah. like no um my spotlight cv which i should probably know the pin number for uh you could put it in the comment section <laughs> yeah I'm, i will do you can send you it can... over and i'll put it in the in the comments um, which is yeah, it's like my online CV, so it yeah. has my headshots, my voice reel, my show reel on there. But pretty um, much go on there or any other these places that we talked about and search for for Lauren Buck. Yes, there is. I am the only official Lauren Buck. B U C K. Yes, mm -hmm. I am the only official Lauren Buck because I have now have equity, um, and I have claimed my my uh, my show name, mm -hmm. so no one else can be called Lauren Buck now who is uh in the industry well it'll certainly be interesting to see um what happens next for you 
and who knows we'll see you on the on our screens uh perhaps on casualty or something else um so look out for I'll the name <laughs> look out for the name lauren book and of course uh come back here and uh we'll have a catch up and you can tell me uh about what you're uh what you're doing next um but uh other than that um thanks for coming on to the show and thank you for having me it's been a pleasure that conversation with Lauren Buck was recorded on the 11th of December 2023. If it's provoked a reaction, please do get in the comments below. If you've got more to say and you want to be on the show, please DM me at Ted James Media. My thanks again to Lauren for joining me on the podcast. My thanks to you for watching or listening. And please don't forget, click the like button, make sure that you're subscribing, and click the little bell so that you're the first to know when a new video drops. Until the next podcast, goodbye.